Good morning, everyone. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Psalm 71. Psalm 71. It's on page 484 in the Pew Bible, if you did not bring your Bible today. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, we would love to provide you with one. Last week, we heard about the ministry of the Gideons as uh, Elder David Harker came and spoke to us about their ministry to give out Bibles. And we would like to reflect that ministry. We have a free stack of Bibles out in the narthex. Uh, and if after the service you want to pick one up because you don't own one, we would love for you to get one, take it home, study it throughout the week, uh, and bring it back each week as we go through God's Word together. Now... As we come to our psalm for this morning, Psalm 71, as Pastor Ron mentioned in his time with the young disciples, we're talking about what it means to grow old with hope. Now, Dick Thompson was my first pastoral visit in ordained ministry. I had recently received a call to pastor a church in Gaffney, South Carolina, and it was my goal to meet all of the members of the church face-to-face, including all of the shut-ins. I really didn't know what to expect when I arrived at Mr. Thompson's apartment in the Eden Terrace nursing facility. I was 27 years old, and he was well into his 80s. What would we talk about? Would he be willing to receive pastoral care from somebody as young as I was? Would he be grumpy and hard of hearing? Would he be depressed and despondent? When I arrived, I was all flustered. I parked in the wrong spot and had to move my car. I walked around to the front desk and got directions to his room and got turned around. I walked up and down the same hallway trying to act like I knew what I was doing and where I was going. And finally, I found his room. I had my Bible in my sweaty hand. I took a deep breath and knocked on his door. And when I entered his room, all of my fears were immediately relieved. He was kind and gentle and understanding. He wanted to know about my faith and about my family. With ease, he shared with me his needs and his wounds. He shared about his physical wounds, how he had lost his leg in World War II and how it had troubled him throughout his life, how he had lost his daughter a few decades ago to a car accident and how he had lost his wife to cancer a few years prior and how in the last year he had lost his health, his home and his independence. He was a man who had endured great loss and yet he was a man with great faith and great fruit. And though his body was failing, his spirit continued to grow in strength, in vitality. When I went home that evening, I remember telling April, today I met one of my favorite people ever. You see, life had not been easy on Dick Thompson. An old age had stolen from him so much of what we value in this world. And yet, in the midst of the struggle, there was gratitude on his behalf. There was humility that came with his age. There was purpose. And above all, there was hope. There are so many struggles related to aging about which we rarely talk but cannot ignore. For how are we to enter the weakness of our final years in a way that's reflective of the strength of Christ? How do we find purpose when we can no longer work and contribute the way that we used to? How are we to have hope when we have lost the embrace of a spouse, the company of friends, and the 
familiarity of home. In our psalm for this week, we come to the question of how we might age well. How to age with hope. As we read the psalm, you'll see the author is speaking in the time of his old age. And he is expressing many of the same anxieties that we deal with today. You will see he is feeling the loss of honor and dignity. The loss of strength. He has a sense of being vulnerable and a worry that his life will be misunderstood and devalued. And he is fearful of the prospect of his soon and approaching death. Yet what we will see is that in the midst of his real anxieties, there is real hope. For the Lord is his refuge and strength. The Lord is his redeemer and the Lord is his deliverer and rescuer. For in the midst of the struggles of aging, the psalmist's hope is renewed by the grace of God. So hear now the word of the Lord, Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. For there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. 
My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth that we might find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There are times in life when you realize that you've grown a lot older than you realized. A few months ago, I bought a car, and as I was giving the salesman all of my personal information, including my birth date, he said, in surprise, you were born in 1980? And I thought he would say something like, my brother was born in 1980, or I have a fun young uncle who was born in 1980. No, he said, you were born in 1980? That's the same year my parents were born. I looked at this man and the pictures of his wedding and of his young child. And I thought I could be a grandfather. I had to do some quick mental math. How could this happen? We all have moments like this that remind us, that bring us to the realization that we are a lot older than we thought. When your students stop telling you that you remind them of their father and start saying that you remind them of their grandfather. When you start getting the AARP ads in the mail and they apply to you. When you realize the senior pastor of your church was only born in 1980. (laughs) But there are more troubling and there are more serious ways that we come to realize the unescapable passing of time. When we sustain an injury that in our youth would have healed in a few days or a week. And it takes months when our expertise at work has become outdated, outmoded and replaced by technology. When we lose a close friend or a spouse or a family member. And we want to cry out with the psalmist as we read in verse nine, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. The first thing that we need to see in our psalm is that if we would live with hope in the midst of aging, we must remember God's lifetime of care. Verses 6 and 17 highlight this. You can look there at your text. Verse 6. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. In verse 17 O God, from my youth, you have taught me. As the psalmist is struggling with the fears and pressures of growing older, he reminds himself of the powerful truth that the Lord has been with him throughout his life. From the very beginning of our existence, the Lord has been present even before our birth. We must rely upon him to care for us and to provide for us. An unborn or newly born child is completely helpless. She must be watched over and cared for. She must be fed and changed and clothed by another. 
And as we age, we come to a similar place of dependence. Where we were once in control, providing, serving, teaching, leading, now we return to a stage of dependence and need. A place where we will have to trust someone else to care for us. And what Psalm 71 is saying is that just as the Lord cared for us when we were in a place of need because of our youth, so too will He care for us when we are in a place of need because of our age. When we come to times in our lives when we are feeling weakness and vulnerability because of age or disease or financial struggles, we must look back over our lives and remember the Lord's lifetime of care. Remember that He has not cast us off in the past, nor will He. We need to bring to our remembrance the words of that hymn that we sung this morning. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. From the first cry to our last breath, the Lord cares for His people. And therefore, to have hope through the struggles of aging, we must remember the Lord's care throughout all of our lives. And yet, we must not only look to the past, we must also look to the present and trust God's continuing strength in our time of need. You see, weakness is not a quality that we often esteem. Never have I heard a truck commercial boast that their vehicle has the least horsepower in its class. No business is excited to report that it had weak sales number. And who wants to go to Starbucks and get a weak cup of coffee? Nevertheless, God's word teaches us that there is something very powerful about weakness. That there is strength in times of vulnerability You see, we learn from science that unless we do something about it, each decade after we turn 30, we will naturally lose 3% of our muscle mass. Age just naturally brings with it weakness. But it's not just the loss of muscle mass. It's also weakening bones, arthritis, joint pain, back pain, hip pain, tooth pain. Our bodies just continue to get weaker. And it's not just our bodies. But it's also common for our minds to lose focus and recall ability as we age. And all of this weakness makes us nervous. We can't fend for ourselves anymore. We're no longer the titan at work or the respected administrator. We need help getting to church, getting to the doctor. We need help remembering the routine that we are supposed to follow each day. And again, we hear verse 9 of our text resound in the midst of our troubles. Oh, Lord, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Yet we need not fear weakness. For when we are weak, God is strong. When we need help, the Lord is present to help. For the first step of faith is repentance. And repentance is the act of turning away from our power and the, our, the way of sin that we follow, the way of self, and turning towards the way and power and righteousness of God. We need weakness so that we can know ever greater experiences of God's strength in our lives. We need weakness so that we would grow in grace. 
the Apostle Paul, struggling with a physical ailment, tells us that he pled with the Lord to take it away. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, three times I pled with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Get this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the power of weakness. That in the midst of our weakness, we come to know the present saving power of God. We learn as the psalm declares that the Lord will deliver us, that he will rescue us, that he will save us. He will be a rock of refuge and a fortress. He will not be far from those who are in need and he will quickly bring his saving power. If you go through all of life full of vigor and strength and everything goes right for you and you have perfect health. How will you ever know that your need for the power of God to come and save you? For whatever brings weakness, whether it's age or disease or unemployment or injury or fasting, the Lord will use your weakness to show forth His power. We do not need to fear the vulnerability that comes to us all. But rather we must embrace it knowing that God is present to help in our distress. And that personal weakness is the gate through which we all must pass to enter into the fortress of God's strength. Louise Buchanan was in her late 80s when she went into the local nursing care facility in Gaffney, South Carolina. She was another one of the shut-ins that I had determined that I would go and see. And Louise, unlike Dick Thompson, had not dealt with the fact that this is where she would probably live the rest of her life. She was determined. She had a shoulder injury and she said, no, I'll be home in a few months. And yet months turned into years. And she eventually realized that she wasn't going home. Her husband had died several years prior. Her daughter lived in another state with her husband and Louise's grandchild. She was unable to do much besides lie in bed and talk with the visitors that came to be with her. And my family made it our habit to visit Miss Louise every Wednesday before our midweek Bible study. Actually, the credit goes to April on that. She was determined that each week we would go and see her. And Louise loved to see our children. She would make sure that she would have gifts for them at every holiday. And she really loved April and drew so much comfort from her visits. And yet when I would visit her without the kids and without April, she would ask me, why do you think I'm still alive? I can't really do much. Why won't the Lord just take me? As the years continued to pass, she felt as though she had no purpose that she had lost all of her ability to contribute to this world and to the body of Christ. And yet she did have purpose. 
For while she thought she was being served on my family came, she was actually serving us. Her testimony of a life of faith, her prayers for the church and for our family, and her willingness to so often sing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And this is what we see the psalmist declaring to us. That even in our weakness, there is a God-honoring purpose. Look at verse 18 of our text. There we read, So, even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim Your might to another generation, Your power to all those to come. You might be looking at your retirement years and wondering, what will I do with all my free time? You might be facing the prospect of losing your driver's license or your home. And you might be thinking, well, what will my purpose be now? What if you made this your purpose? What if you said Psalm 71, 18 will be the theme verse for the last decades of my life? After the first service. Lowell Sykes, the pastor emeritus of this church, came up to me and said, every year on my birthday since I turned 80 years old, I read Psalm 71 to remind me of my purpose. And if you know anything about Lowell, every time he has a pulpit open to him, he goes and he proclaims the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. What if you said Psalm 71:18? It will be the guide of how I spend my time and my efforts and my money. It will determine when and where I will live and what relationships I will pursue. It will guide me not to waste the last years of my life on self-indulgence, but self-sacrificially pursue the next generation in relationship to tell them of God's mighty saving power in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let the last years of your life before you come before the throne of God and meet the Lord Jesus Christ face to face be frivolously spent on yourself. Don't let a hobby be the guiding goal of your life. There's nothing wrong with a hobby. But if it guides your life, there's a problem. Psalm 71, 18 should guide your life. Find purpose in praying for God's people. In praising the Lord. In proclaiming His praise to the next generation. And as a side note, for all of those who are thinking, what's this sermon going to tell me about? Because I'm not in old age yet. Pursue those who are in this stage of life. Because some of them are in places where they cannot get out and find you. Some of them cannot get out of the nursing home. They cannot get out of their house. They cannot drive themselves. Call up the church and say, you know what? Pastor Weber's sermon really, really convicted me. And I need to be visiting somebody. And we'll give you somebody to visit. There's plenty of people that would love to proclaim the glories of Christ to you and to your children. How are we to, how are we to approach aging? Well, we must often remember God's lifetime of grace and care. We must rest on God's 
present strength in our weakness. We must pursue the God-glorifying purpose of singing His praise to the next generation. And the final thing I want to highlight from our psalm is that to age with purpose, our hope must be in God's resurrection promise. Everything in this world tells us that death will be the end of the story. And yet God's Word promises that there is more to our story than that. That death will not have the final word in the life of those who by God's grace are joined to Christ. But rather they will be raised up from the grave to eternal life. This hope is voiced in verses 20 through 21. If you look down at your text, we read there. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Throughout the Old Testament, there are shadows of God's coming resurrection power. There are hints and promises, such as we read in Psalm 71, Psalm 16, For you will not abandon my soul to death or let your Holy One see corruption. Daniel chapter 12, those who slept in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Or Isaiah chapter 26, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. Yet the fullness of the promise was not fulfilled until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Son of God joined Himself to the human race by becoming a man. And He lived a life of complete righteousness, went to the cross to pay the penalty for sin, and went into the grave. But the grave could not hold Him. The cords of death were not strong enough to keep him down. And so he rose from the dead with the selfsame body in which he lived on earth, yet one that was free from the effects of sin and death. And then he ascended into heaven. And he is currently in the year 2020 mocking death by his eternal resurrection life that will never go down to the grave again. This, however, was not a one-time event but rather the first fruits of a coming harvest. The first hole in the dam of death that will one day break wide open and all of those who have been joined to Christ will burst forth from their graves unto everlasting life. It's important we understand that we're not talking about soul resurrection or spiritual resurrection God's word its central promise to us who have faith in Christ is that we will have a physical resurrection a resurrection in which our souls that go immediately to Christ's presence following our death will be united to our bodies that go down into the grave and will be raised up on the day of Christ's coming For we will live with God for all eternity because by Christ we will be raised up. This is God's promise. This is Christ's work to raise up all who are joined to Him through faith to everlasting life. And as we age, 
the promise of the resurrection must be our hope. We must put our minds continually to the day when all that we have lost will be restored. Those who are in Christ by His grace, when you lose your hearing, it's only for a while. When you lose your sight, it's only for a time. When you can no longer get out of bed, when you can no longer drive yourself to church, realize that it will not last forever. And as you face the reality of the grave, realize that your body will only stay there as long as the Lord tarries. But when He returns, you will be completely 100% restored to life. We can face the struggles of aging with so much more grace and good humor when we realize that's not the end of the story. When we realize that life and vitality don't lie in the past with our youth, but in the future with Christ. For on the day of His return will come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How might we age in a way that glorifies God? By remembering His past grace to us. That we leaned upon Him before we were even born. And that we can lean upon Him for all eternity. By resting in His strength, that in our weakness, His strength is shown forth. By living for His purposes, knowing that even as you grow weaker, you can grow stronger in prayer and praise and proclamation of His truth. And by hoping in the soon and coming day of the promised resurrection unto eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.